All right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service. How are we doing tonight? It seems as if the wind has scared some of our brothers and sisters, but we're going to be okay, aren't we? <laughs> Praise God. We're going to have a great time studying God's word together tonight. Amen. Who came ready to receive tonight? Amen. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over our beloved United States of America because we believe strongly that we will see revival and America is coming to Jesus no matter what it looks like right now. Amen. So let's speak this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, Justice and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's give the Lord some praise, and you may be seated this evening. All right. Well, we're going to get into the announcements here in just a minute, but uh, check this out. Uh, Alex and our media team have been working on some video type announcements, and they're just, they wanted me to show you a little sneak peek preview of some of their work. All right, so anyway, <laughs> so um, we'll go take a quick look at this preview here, and then I'll do the regular announcements the good old-fashioned boring way like it's 1890. Let's go. <laughs> again these people can't see my fair face in the darkness all right very good so uh let's go through some announcements here of what's going on i don't have my list in front of me so i'm just going to rely on my powerpoint here uh first of all the intentional parenting class started this past sunday anybody in here went to it yeah, all right. And so we've got, uh, I mean, a lot of families signed up for this, but I think you can still hop in uh, within the next week or two if you want to. You just get a little bit of a late start. But uh, it's every Sunday from 4 to 5 p.m. The cost is $25 for the book, and there is child care provided. So we are determined to help every family that, that wants, you know, help and additional training to get it. So we're excited about that. All right. My next announcement, Doug is women's meeting this Friday night. Ladies, who's going? No, are, some of you? Okay. Where are you at? All right. Okay. All right. 
Uh, praise God. The men made more noise than you ladies. And that's because we know you're going to bring us some leftover food the next day on Saturday. So let's do this. Um, but anyway, 6.30 and uh, Mexican food is the menu. So bring some to share. And then we've got Lift Family Art Night on Monday. All right. And so every family or single, anybody, everybody, come on out. And um, we're going to do an art night. At 6.30, uh, bring a canvas. They've got them at the dollar store. The church is providing the paint and the brushes if you need those. And it's just going to be a super cool time of hanging out together. And then we've got baby dedications coming up on Sunday, the 27th. All right. And we got a lot of families with new babies and all that fun stuff. So the sign-up sheet is back there at the info booth. But get signed up now so we know uh, how many families to prepare for. And then also, all the softball players, anybody interested in softball? Well, they're trying to get the church league started back up again because it's had a couple years off with all the fun pandemic stuff. So uh, Brother Robert is in charge of that. You can see Robert and uh, and get signed up for that. It'll be really cool. Now, here's a new thing. Uh, we want to tell you in advance that on Sunday... We're going to be receiving an offering uh, for the organization called Samaritan's Purse. Now, what that is, is they are an emergency aid organization and charity uh, that's uh, run by Franklin Graham. That's Billy Graham's son. And they're an incredible, legitimate organization. Because, you know, when we see things like the Ukraine stuff, you see charities pop up everywhere. Sometimes you don't know what's legit and what's not. And uh, they have a four-star rating from, you know, all the agencies that uh, monitor charities and whatnot. So uh, this is who we really feel led to give to. They are already on the ground in Ukraine and in Poland. And this week they had two of their big cargo jets land in Poland. They're getting their guys over into Ukraine. Um, I don't have my notes with me, but the city of Lviv. And they're, um, they're setting up an emergency hospital right there and it's incredible that's what our money's going to go to for this emergency hospital they can uh they're going to be able to have they're going to have 60 beds in it they can do 100 patients a day and they can perform 14 major surgeries a day like people that have been hit with bombs and stuff and they can do something like uh 21 or 33 uh minor surgeries on top of that per day so it's a serious situation we're praying and we were going to see, you know, miracles take place in Jesus' name. But we also want to do something that, you know, in the natural. Uh, now, if you just want to give to Samaritan's Purse straight up that way, I recommend going to their website. Real easy to do. But on Sunday, we will be taking up an offering. And we'll get all the proceeds straight over to Samaritan's Purse. And they can start getting their hospital together right there. And also, they're distributing food and, and water and all sorts of other stuff to the Ukrainians. Who thinks that sounds like a pretty good thing for Christians to do? Amen? So we're excited to be getting involved with that. All right. I think that's all of the announcements that I have, except for the time change takes place this weekend. Amen. And so, uh, hey, is that a, how do you feel about that, Cletus? Is that, I don't like that. I think that's bad because it means we're closer to summer and summer is two thumbs down, two thumbs down. All right. You know what? We will deal with you guys later. Um, Praise the Lord. Um, and uh, So anyway, if, if you're one of those people that still uses an actual alarm clock like it's 1920, then you go ahead and remember to take care of that. Everybody else that's using your cell phone, don't even worry about it. You just wake up when you wake up, all right? Praise God. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yes. 
It's happy time. All right, if you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get you one. And uh, we're going to open up our Bibles to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, amen. We're going to look at verse 25. If you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving and do it that way, and that's totally fine. But Psalm 37, and we're going to look here at verse 25 at, at something that King David said, and I think this is, uh, these type of verses right here are super important for us right now. And I've been guarding my mouth all week. I, every time I drive past the gas station, I just say, thank you, Jesus. Woo! It's a good thing that God supplies all my needs. Come on. <laughs> Amen. And so I, I challenge you, you know, I, a lot of us are, you know, a lot of people are joking about it. I've seen some hilarious memes on the internet. It's funny stuff. But at the same time, we do need to realize that, uh, hey, God is our provider. And as my dad has said for you, he used to say, even if gas went up to $5 a gallon, and I was like, that'll never happen. They're like, okay. Even if gas goes up to $10 a gallon, like, okay, God will provide for all of our needs. Amen. All right, Psalm 37, verse 25, I'm in the NLT here. And King David says, Once I was young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Amen. And so David was like, I was used to be a young guy. Now I'm an old guy. I've seen a lot of things in this world. Amen. We've seen a lot of things. But one thing that he had never seen is God's children forsaken or them having to beg for bread. And so I encourage us right now that no matter what's going on in the economy or in the world, you are a child of God. You're not going to be out there begging for bread. You're not going to be out there begging for gas money. God will supply every need that we have according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. Let's stand up together. Praise God. And we're going to speak some words of faith over our finances. And if it's ever been important to do this, it's important right now. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us up at the altar as we sing, but... We can also sing from our chairs. Let's just sing together. We have been justified by faith through Jesus Christ. It's only by His grace we stand. Once bound by sin and shame, now slave to righteousness. Our faith perfected by His love. Praise the Savior. He has won Our sin defeated Through His blood Now exalted Jesus reigns 
hail the King, praise His name. While we were weak, He died, making us reconcile to God for all eternal days. Even in our fading flesh, our only hope and rest is found in faith that Jesus saves. Praise the Savior, He has won. I stand defeated through His blood. Now exalted, Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. While we were weak, He died, making us reconcile to God for all eternal days. Even in our fading flesh, Is found in faith that Jesus saves. Praise the Savior, He has won. Our sin defeated through His blood. Now exalted, Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. Our hope and glory is found in the one who gives great joy to sing about the love that he poured out forever lifted high. Our Savior Jesus Christ, the gift of God given in love. Praise the Savior, He has won. Our sin defeated through His blood. And now exalted, Jesus reigns. Hail the King, praise His name. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the glory of God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope the glory of God, we rejoice in the glory of God.
darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken you give life you give life you are love you bring light to the darkness you give hope Every heart that is broken Great are you, Lord It's your breath in our lungs So we pour out our praise Pour out our praises, your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Great are you, Lord. You give life, you are love. darkness you are hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord it's your breath in our love
books of the Bible. It's all for us, so you got to understand what I'm saying. But the absolute most specifically pointed, aimed right at you books are what we call the epistles. Uh, uh, you know, starting in uh, Acts and well, not Romans and and on forward. And these are just aimed totally directly at the New Testament church. And uh, and again, all the Bible is perfect and holy and wonderful and exactly what you need. But really specifically, the epistles were written right to you. And I find that they're very important for you to study. And um, and so 1 Corinthians, just to rewind a little bit. First of all, you can open up to chapter 4 because that's where we're starting at tonight. And we're going to be going right through there. It's going to be awesome. But uh, Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians was written to the church at Corinth. There was a city in uh, in Greece called Corinth. And it was a wild city, and it was full of, uh, I mean, it was a seaport city, so there was lots of money, there was lots of culture, there was art, there was music, there was athletics, there was all sorts of stuff, there was, you know, the upper class, there was the lower class, there was everything in between, it was diverse, it was a wild hopping city, and... uh, and it was really what some scholars would compare to modern-day West Coast America is what I've heard. And so some guys call it uh, the books of the Bible, First and Second Californians, instead of First and Second Corinthians. But anyway, very similar to a lot of stuff that we would maybe see in uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Las Vegas, and stuff like that, just to kind of fill you in on the, the context of what we're looking at. And so last week, we were able by the grace of God, to cover the first three chapters. It was a lot of content, but we made it. And we saw one of the things that Paul talked to these guys about was they are very passionate. They're very, very sincere, very passionate, no doubt about it. They love the Lord, but they're extremely immature. They fight with each other at church. They argue over things. As we'll see tonight, some of them were suing each other over minuscule, stupid things. Uh, and and they broke basically into different teams like, well, Paul's my favorite preacher, so I'm on Team Paul. And another guy would be like, well, I happen to like Peter the best. We'll just form Team Peter over here, and we like him better than Paul anyway. And then another guys were like, well, we like Apollos. Apollos was a great educated teacher, very, very intelligent and and uh, very well spoken. And so a lot of guys are like, well, we're the smart group, so we happen to follow Apollo. So Team Paul can just go over there and sit in the corner. And they were just, they had factions within their church. And Paul wrote, uh, as we saw last week, guys, stop it. We're all on the same team. We're all serving Jesus. <laughs> Amen. It doesn't matter, you know, who you're favorite teacher is. And in fact, Paul said, you shouldn't, you don't even say you've got a favorite teacher. We're all just following Jesus. Amen. And so that's some of what we saw last week. And then this week, we're going to pick it up in chapter four. And again, this is a, uh, a, a thorough uh, expository message where we're going to really go through several uh several chapters here and my goal is within the next few weeks to cover the entire book of first corinthians and i believe we'll be able to do it so tonight we're going to try to tackle chapters four five and six and the good news about doing a sermon like this is i'm just reading the bible if you don't like what i've got to say it wasn't me saying it anyway it's just the bible so if you got beef you can take it up with jesus does that sound good all right let's go so first corinthians chapter four i'm going to pick it up at verse three verses three through five And Paul's talking about some people that um, maybe are evaluating him and and judging him. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verses 3 through 5, he says, As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. (laughs) My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. Uh, and, And check this out. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. And so he's saying, hey, uh, my conscience is clear, and, you know, you can judge me or whatever, but as long as I'm doing right before God, he's got the opinion that actually matters. But he says something unique there. He says, my conscience is clear, but that's not what proves that I'm right. Because somebody could say, you know, at different points, well, I, you know, I know every, you're telling me that I'm wrong, but I feel in my heart that I'm right. And as we'll see as we study, you don't get to make up your own definition of truth and what's right and what's wrong. The Bible did that already. And that, that takes a big load off of my shoulders. I'm not responsible for, you know, being the judge, jury, and executioner. The scripture already tells us what's right and wrong. So anyway, Paul says, I'm not right because my conscience is clear. It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Verse 5. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Doesn't that make everybody excited? Woo! No, it doesn't. Because we've all got secrets. Amen? We, I've got secrets. You've got secrets. We've got things that we would rather not everybody find out about. But it's okay. God will reveal it someday. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Now, as I read these verses right here, I love Paul. I believe that he had a healthy balance on not caring what other people think. Now, I hear some people use the phrase, well, I don't care what anybody thinks. And they're using that as an excuse so they can be a jerk to people or something like that. You know, and I don't I don't respect that. Uh, you know, some people are like, well, I, yeah, sure, I, I blow up and I fight with everyone. I just don't care what anyone thinks. That's not what Paul's heart and attitude was right here. He was His heart and his attitude was, I'm doing my best to live for Jesus. And you know what? If that's not good enough for everybody else, then, then that's fine. But God can be the one to decide that for me. He had the right heart of not caring what everybody else thinks. And of course, as we saw there in verse 5, you know, it's a very sobering thought, really, honestly. I mean, you know, all joking aside, he says that God's going to bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Because we've all got a motive in what we do. And it could be maybe sometimes we made a mistake, but we had the right motives. Have you been there? And you're just, you're like, man, I just wish everybody could have actually seen my heart in it and my motive. And God can reveal that, right? And prove that you had the right heart and motive. And then sometimes maybe we're doing stuff and saying all the right words, but we have the wrong motive in it. Well, either way, God will uh, reveal those things. I'm not turning there, but you could note down Luke 8, 17. Just write this down, Luke 8, 17. Jesus Christ himself said, for all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. 
Thank you, Jesus. I mean, I, I like some of his other teachings better than that one, but that's a good one too, right? Because Jesus said it, and he said right there that everything that is secret will eventually be brought into the open. And, you know, sometimes uh, we've prayed that a lot over our United States over the last several years in our prayer group because we know that sometimes there's things going on in the back rooms and in the, in the secret places that we don't even know about that sometimes are not good. And we're praying for those things to be revealed and, you know, justice to be served and all that stuff like that. But anyway, we know this much that what was Paul saying in these verses? It's God's opinion and evaluation that truly matters. And that, as, as we'll study in a minute, that doesn't just mean you can go do any old thing and, and you know, rob the bank and say, well, only God can judge me. No, you can't do that. <laughs> because uh, I'm especially if you claim to be a Christian, then as I'll show you, it's not only God that can judge you. Uh, but just the simple fact that God can judge you should be scary enough to make us not want to go do things like rob banks and hit people and curse people and steal from people, right? That's good enough reason for me right there, like, Dear God, I don't want to get judged on that. That's uh, that's scary. So let's look here. Let's go down to verses 10 through 13. Verses 10 through 13. Isn't the Bible fun? I just love studying the scripture. It's awesome, man. It'll change your life if you'll let it. Look here at verses 10 through 13. Paul says, Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you're so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. And so, I mean, he had some haters in his day, right? Let's just get real. He had some people that were not uh, members of the Paul fan club, right? And he had some people that came against him. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians, his next letter to these guys, he talks about all the beatings and whippings and, and just terrible things that happened to him just because he preached the gospel. And so look at these next few verses here, verse 11. He says, even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We're often beaten and have no home. Hey, guys, let's sign up for the ministry. This makes us, this is a good recruiting uh, call right here. Uh, verse 12, we work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. What's all that about? Well, Paul's saying, hey, guys, listen, I love you. Ministry's rough. I'm not out here preaching and starting churches because I'm getting a big paycheck out of it. I'm not out here because I've just got nothing else to do. I am serving and preaching and teaching because I love Jesus and I love people and they treat me like trash. But I don't stop anyway. And, and, and so this goes back to what he said in some of those earlier verses. You can't please everybody. So you might as well just focus on pleasing God. That needs to be repeated because you need to hear that and you need to know that for the rest of your life. You cannot make everybody happy. So quit trying. Just try to make God happy with you. You can't go wrong with that. And, and, if, and, and here's the truth of the matter. The more that you live to make God happy, the more you're going to make some people really mad at you. Because when you quit living to please them, they're going to get angry. When you, when you quit doing the things you used to do, they're going to, 
Who do you think you are? Better than us? Holier than thou? Who do you, all of a sudden, you're too good? And like, no, listen, it's not that. I just want to please Jesus, okay? And, and I'm sorry, I can't go with you now. I can't do this now. I'm living for him, and that goes against, and that's going to make some people angry, but that's okay. They're not the ones that, you know, get to judge you in the end. They're not the ones that you're living for. You're living for Jesus, and sometimes it will cost you. We can't lie about that and say, oh, it's the easiest thing. In fact, Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And so it's real easy to just get on the on the freeway, the, the six-lane freeway that's headed straight to hell. But it's a little bit more of a walk because when you get in that narrow lane, oh, it pays off. It pays off. You've got the joy of the Lord. You've got the peace of God. You've got promise after promise after promise. But it can be a lonely road sometimes, as Paul found out, because some people, they kind of fall away from you on the way. And that's just the truth of the matter. But let's look here at verse uh, 14, verses 14 through 16. You know, I'm, I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me. I mean, that's, a, that's something right there. Uh, he talks about spiritual fathers, and I believe each of us really have a spiritual father, uh, a, a leader who we submit to. Now, we've got God the Father in heaven who, thank you, Jesus, he's the ultimate father, right? I mean, he is perfect. He makes no mistakes. And he is the ultimate father. Hallelujah. But Paul refers to something here, which he, in the other epistles he refers to also, uh, about being a spiritual father. Now, this isn't contradicting what he talked about in the first three chapters. This isn't saying, hey, if you're on Team Paul, line up over here. Team Apollos, you're down on the south end of the building. You guys you guys get over there. No, he's not doing that. But he is clearly talking about it's important that we have a spiritual leader or father that we submit to and that we receive from. And, I, man, I'm all about that, man. I'm all over that. I think that's awesome. And, uh, and in most cases, I believe that's going to be your pastor, whether that's, you know, dad and I or if that's you know somewhere else for you but you need to find your pastor and you need to find your spiritual authority to submit under and that's again that's that's scripture you don't like that hey take it up with Jesus come on all right look at verse 20 let's look at verse 20 who's having a good time yeah Sabrina's having a good <laughs> Sabrina and her dad are having a good you know father-daughter time amen for verse 20 check it out for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk it is living by God's power. And there's some people, they can talk the talk all day long, but they don't walk the walk. And, and, the, and the, the kingdom of God, it's not just about knowing the words. It's about having the power of God actually working in your life. In the book of Acts, there's an interesting situation. I won't turn there, you know, again, for the sake of time. i got to keep going here. But... 
a bunch of guys, the, this, this guy named Sceva, right? He had these seven sons, and they had heard about Paul casting the devil out of people and, and Peter doing miracles. So there was a man possessed of the devil, and these guys come up and they say, hey, we're going to cast the devil out of this old boy. They get over there, they lay hands on him, and they say, in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, come out of this man. And listen, the devil knows if you're a joker and you're just a talker. And so it says that the, the devil, the demons, they came out of the possessed man, and they beat the seven sons of Sceva up. They, they said, hey, we know Jesus, and we know Paul. Who are you? Why was it? Because the kingdom of God is not just a bunch of talk. Mm -mm. No, it's living by God's power. And I don't want to just walk around Barstow talking the talk. I want to walk the walk. I want the power of God in my life. Verse 21, he says, okay, so which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you? Uh-oh. Or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? So Paul was preparing to visit them again. And and really, he says, hey, when I come, does old uh, Father Paul, <laughs> Uncle Paul, does he have to come and bring a whooping? Or can I just talk to you guys about where you're going wrong, and that'll and you'll be mature enough to handle a good talk? And, you know, I, I prefer that. I don't want to get, you know, I don't need the rod. I want to just, hey, Lord, you just speak, and I believe I'm mature enough to change just by that. But, hey, sometimes there's the rod of correction. Amen? All right. That was fun. Let's go to Chapter 5, because this is really fun. All right? Now, Chapter 5 would not be a popular chapter in 2022. Again, I will not add to the Bible, and I certainly will not take away from the Bible. All right? And so uh, what we're dealing with here, chapter 5 mainly deals with sexual sin, which, again, is just, you know, a, a popular thing to discuss in 2022. But uh, we're going to read this, all right? So th this sin was rampant in Corinth, just like much of our modern-day society. And the Christians, they knew what the Scripture said about it, but much like today, they began to just adapt to the culture around them. Well, everyone's doing it. I mean, you really believe that? That is so old school. That is so outdated. I mean, my gosh, you need to get with the times. And so uh, it, it, th th this, this sin culture was creeping in to the church. And instead of the church members being the light and changing the culture, they were letting the culture change them. And so, of course, this, this had to be addressed. And, uh, of course, well, I'm getting ready to read some stuff. And, hey, if you were to just go out and preach this word on the streets of America today, you'd be called every name in the book. You'd probably be arrested. And so let's go. Let's read it. And, again, it is not my words. It is simply the words of the Bible. So let's look at here at chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Fun stuff. He says, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. Like even the sinners don't do what some of you are doing. I am actually told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. My gosh! And so, uh, verse 2. You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning and sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. He like, kick that guy out of the church. Uh, verse 3, even though I'm not with you in person, I am with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. 
I'll be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. Now, that's a phrase that Paul also used in, uh, in I believe it was 1 Timothy. It might have been 2 Timothy. But the King James says he turned him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And so what is with this guy that is having a relationship with his own stepmom? Well, what you've got here is a guy that was probably at some point warned, like, dude, no, that's that's wrong. And he probably said something like, only God can judge me. You're a hateful, mean, nasty bigot. And then they probably said, no, we're trying to tell you right now that that's not right. And then they probably said, hey, you're a, I've, I've got a list of names that they call us. I, I don't have it with me, but it's a long list of names that, you know, if you agree with the Bible, you're all these things. And so anyway, so they probably confronted him once again. And at that point, when the guy's like, no, no, I'm going to do this, and I don't care, at that point, it's like, you know what? We've done this the right way. In fact, Jesus told us how to handle, in Matthew 18, a situation like this. You confront the individual privately. Then if they won't listen, you confront them with the church. And then if they won't listen, hey, you got to go, man. You can't, you can't have that around here. And so Paul was like, hey, you got, this guy will not listen. You're going to have to kick him out. Why? Because... When you just let something like that go unchecked, it spreads. It spreads. And, well, I, I wouldn't say that. Well, the, I'm going to show you the Bible says that, so what about that? But anyway, check this out. And so, I mean, and this whole story, I'm reading this like, that would never happen. I mean, really? And, and that's not that far-fetched. We see things like this in our day and age, and I'm, I won't go into all of it, but... I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. Things that I never thought that would come across my desk. Look at verses 6 through 7. It says, he says, your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you'll be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And so Paul's like, the only way to deal with this is to just get rid of this. It's gonna like, it's like a little bit of yeast. It spreads throughout the whole batch of dough and just ruins it for everybody. You've got to cut it out, and you've got to get rid of this. And so, I mean, that's, that's just one level of what was going on. Now we're going to get dive into some more stuff. Keep in mind, we're doing an expository study of 1 Corinthians. Amen? There's some uh, inspirational stuff in the in the coming chapters. But anyway, verse 9, he says, When I wrote to you before, so there was actually a third letter he wrote to the Corinthians, which we don't have a copy of, but it took place before this first letter here that we call 1 Corinthians. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You'd have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you're not to associate with anyone, key word here, who claims to be a believer. All right. So he said, I'm not talking about someone that doesn't even claim to be a believer. I mean, they're going to do what they're going to do. It's not, you know, none of my business. That's their thing. You know, Whatever. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking right now, Paul, who, about people who claim to be a believer. 
yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. And so, what's he talking about here? Listen, I, this, is a, this is a deep and confusing topic. And, I mean, I've studied this out, but the topic of judging. Because Jesus said, judge not, lest thou be judged. And a lot of people, that is literally the only Bible verses they know, and they don't even know where it's found. And, you know, anytime a Christian speaks up and says, I don't think that's right. Judge not, lest thou be judged. The Bible says that. Okay, good. It does say that. Where does it say it at? They can never tell you. Can you tell me anything else the Bible says? They don't ever know any other verses, but somehow they really got that one down, even though they don't know where it's found. Anyway, so what we have here is he's saying, listen, I'm not talking about judging the outside world. I'm, I'm not going to go down there to, you know, the local atheist group and say, man, you guys, you're a bunch of sinners. I tell, How dare you do that? Like, I don't care. They're not held to the same standard. That's not what we're talking about here. Paul's talking to people who claim to be Christians, yet they still cheat people. They're greedy. They're abusive. They're they're, they're doing all these things here. They they worship idols, yet they still say that they're a Christian. He's like, that's going to be dealt with. That's going to be judged. And, And what does he mean by that? He doesn't mean that you're going in and condemning people to hell. That's not what it is. No, but he is saying... You have a responsibility as a Christian if your brother or sister is out there being abusive and beating their husband or beating their wife. You at least have a responsibility to say, if nothing else, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Or or you see a Christian brother or sister that's cheating people, right? Or, Or, you know, you have a responsibility to say, hey, that's not right. That's not me being condemnational. That's not me being even judgmental. That's just simply saying, man, that's going to get you in trouble. You better stay away from that. Or, you know, hey, I, you're living with your stepmom and having a relationship? Uh, bro, I'm, I'm not I'm not condemning you. I'm not, you know, coming down on you. But you, that's not right. Is that mean? No, that's saving somebody's behind from some trouble down the road. That's nice. What's mean is when you see danger coming at someone and you say nothing. That's mean. I would rather, I mean, listen, if I got something in my teeth, tell me. I want to know. I don't want to be embarrassed. If I got something coming at me, let me know, and then it's up to me if I want to do something about it. But this is not mean what Paul's saying right here. He's saying don't go out there to the the sinners and to the world. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about, anyone who claims to be a believer. And so, anyway, uh, you know, praise God. Everyone enjoying this? I mean, this is really going over real big. This is fun stuff. I like it. All right. um, but, but for real, um, I don't blame sinners for sinning. It, it, it's in our nature. I was born a sinner. I sinned. And I still sometimes do dumb things and sin. But here's the thing. When you're born again, you get a brand new nature on the inside of you. And now you have the power to overcome sin. Peter put it this way, you used to be a slave to sin. I mean, you used, before you had Jesus in your life, you're pretty, you know, in a lot of ways you were helpless. You couldn't help but do some of the things you were doing. But now that you've got Jesus in your heart, if you'll listen to him and receive his teaching and submit to him, check it out. 
you've got the power of God on the inside of you that can overcome any sin. You couldn't do it on your own, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. You can beat this thing. You can overcome. You can break away from it. That's the gospel. That is super good news for people like me and people like you. That's really, really good news. And yeah, even after you become a Christian, Satan knows. He's like, hey, man, this guy used to struggle with this. He's going to keep dangling that in front of you. He's going to keep coming at you with it. But the more you stand up and resist the temptation, after a while, the devil's going to say, man, this is not working on him no more. My dad used to be an alcoholic. And then and he, and he tells it. Uh, in fact, most of my family and people with my last name, a lot of them are still, you know, in the ditch somewhere. But he became a Christian. The Lord delivered him of alcohol. Thank you, Jesus. We're the, some of the first line of samples that are not alcoholics. And I thank you, Jesus, for that, that my dad was able to receive uh, deliverance from that. And But he'll tell you now, I mean, yeah, the devil used to bring temptation. And he used to drive, you know, maybe past the bar and say, man, just slip on in there. No one's, no, no one's going to know. No one, and that temptation used to be there. But the more he resisted it, the more he said, no, no, in the name of Jesus, I don't need that stuff. He'll tell you now, it's been decades since the devil tried to dangle that in front of him. Because he knows uh, I, I lost him. It's, I, I can't get him anymore. He moved on from it. Why? He couldn't do it on his own. But when he received Jesus into his heart, he got a brand new nature. Second Corinthians 5, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Let's give Jesus some praise. Isn't that good news? Amen. That you do have the power to uh, absolutely get past sin. All right. Let's go to chapter 6 because we've just got five minutes left and we got to cover chapter 6. Who's ready for chapter 6? Woo. All right. So I want to remind you that the Corinthian church was full of sincere people. They really did want to do right. Now, they made mistakes, and they were immature, and, and, you know, they argued over things. They argued over who got to eat more bread at communion and things like that. You'll see that in chapter 11. But at the same time, they were sincere. Now, sometimes we're sincere, but we're sincerely wrong. And you, you just need, it's not that you're a terrible person. You just need someone to straighten you out. I was, uh, Billy Graham told the story of October 25th, 1964. That's a great day, as you'll remember. Everyone remember? No? Okay. Well, uh, the Minnesota Vikings were playing the San Francisco 49ers, and defensive end Jim Marshall recovered a football, a fumbled ball, and ran it 66 yards for a touchdown in the wrong direction. He ran it all the way to the end zone and started dancing. And said, he threw it into the into the stands. It was like, whoa, 66 yards. No one even touched me. My own team was waving me down and yelling at me. Everybody was so excited. And then he finds out it was all in the wrong direction. It didn't count. It was bad. He, he helped the other team out. And so I like what Billy Graham said. He saw the game. He said, it was sad to watch. But he was the most sincere fellow you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and so sometimes it's not that your motive was bad. You really thought you were doing really good. You were sincere. You were just sincerely wrong. And, and, and hey, you know, we no one hates you. No one's, you know, we're not here to chastise you and throw you out. We're just saying, hey, that was the wrong way. We actually, our end zone's over here. Let's, let's go that way next time. That's not mean. That's there to help you out, right? 
And so, uh, so these guys were sincere. It's not that, well, some of them had some massive issues, as we can see, but the majority of them were sincere people that did want to please God. They were just sincerely wrong in a lot of what they were doing, all right? And so chapter 6, this is fun stuff. Let's look at this. This is about fellow church members suing each other and taking each other to court. Fun stuff. What's that? Uh, anyway, all right. I was just, there's a commercial on TV all the time out here in California. I forget what the big Sioux lawyer is. Is it J.G. Wetworth? Is that the right state? I've lived in a few states, and there's Sioux lawyers in every state. I can't remember it anymore. But anyway, uh, verse uh, verse 1. It's my money, and I want it now. That's the commercial. All right. Uh, when one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to the other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? What's that talking about? That's the millennial reign after the battle of Armageddon. That's a whole other sermon, but we're not going there. But you will someday. Uh, God will use you in that capacity. And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? So whatever this lawsuit's over, it wasn't a big deal. It was a minor thing. Yet some Christian in the church decided to take the other one to court. And so don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I'll just go on the record now. I better not see any of you on Judge Judy, all right? She's got she's got that new show on Amazon. I don't want to see you on there, okay? It's called uh, Judy Justice or something. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, you know, whatever. Judge Judy, come on. All right, but but look at it. Look at verse 5. He says, I am saying this to shame you. Whoa. I, in chapter 5, he's like, no, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying this to shame any of you, but but right here he's like, this is pathetic. And I'm actually saying this to shame you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Isn't there anyone in all the church who's wise enough to decide these issues, but instead one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers? Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. I'm like, this is crazy. And again, apparently, this is not referring to some massive, terrible injustice. This is apparently some sort of a minor, little occurrence. Now, I've been asked the question, is it completely wrong for a Christian to ever have a lawsuit? Well, you know, I think that there are some times when you justifiably have a reason to file a lawsuit. You know, say you someone without insurance runs through the red light and totals your car, and they should pay for that, right? But you shouldn't sue them to the ground and steal everything they've ever had and then fake additional injuries. And, oh, I never shook like this before until they hit me. You know, you shouldn't, you know. There are There is a time and a place to pursue justice, but you need to be careful uh, because some people see it as, you know, there should be a time to correct what was wrong and make things even. But just because your restaurant hands me a cup of hot coffee and I'm too stupid to know that coffee is generally served hot and I spill it on myself, I shouldn't sue you to the ground and steal everything you've got. Thank you for your hearty amen. I just, you know, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Does anyone feel the power of God like I do right now? I just, woo! I'm feeling it. No, I'm kidding. All right. 
but seriously, if you've got some minor thing with a fellow believer, you really aren't supposed to just take them to court over that and I'll sue him to the ground. I'll steal every penny that he's got. I'll show him. Paul said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. That is pathetic. You're having unbelievers settle things. You know, and I'm like, hey, if my family's got an issue, I'm the, I'd prefer to settle it behind closed doors. I don't want to put it out there on the Internet to let you decide. I mean, that's, don't, don't, Lord Jesus, don't get me started. I, uh, I mean, you will never see me ever put my personal business out in la-la land for everybody else to make an opinion on my family. Never! But anyway, uh, but I, I handle it amongst yourselves, right? You don't need to broadcast it in the world because say, why would I want to be a Christian? They can't even get along with each other. They're suing each other over stupid stuff. I don't want to join that. That's a bunch of crazy. All right, let's go to verse 9 because that was fun. Let's go to the next few verses. We're going to bring it in for a landing here. But, all right, Paul's getting back to some of the other stuff that this church is dealing with. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, I could break that down, but really that means that you won't go to heaven, all right? Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, according to 2 Corinthians. And so, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, and I'm getting ready to read a whole list, but there's a few key phrases. Before I read this list, and it's nasty, before I read this list, there's a couple of key phrases right here that have to be pointed out. He said that this is referring to those who do wrong and those who indulge in. And so this is not talking about somebody that did one of these things once or they used to do these things or they're uh, maybe there's someone still struggling with this, but they really are praying for God's help and trying and seeking God to get through these things. I don't believe that that's what this is referring to. But what I do believe this is referring to is somebody who is doing these things and they are not even trying to stop. They are basically are probably indulging, as it says. They're doing and they're probably defending it and yelling at you if you say something to them about it. Because you got to know that uh, it's not a sin to be tempted. Some people are tempted with these things. That doesn't mean that they're all of a sudden not inheriting the kingdom of God. It's not a sin to be tempted because Jesus was tempted. And he never sinned. In fact, Hebrews says that he was tempted in every way that you are, thank God, yet without sin. In fact, if you study the, the Gospels, Jesus was tempted by the devil, right? When he was out there in the wilderness for 40 days. Being tempted is not a sin. But when we cross that threshold, that barrier, and actually start to do the thing, then it becomes sin. Now, again, I believe, you know, and you could probably come at me from whatever angle you want to on this. I'm open for a good debate on this. But I do believe that this is not talking about somebody that one time or you used to or maybe you're struggling with this, but you're in the name of Jesus, Lord, give me the strength to break through this. You're at least sincerely trying. But someone that's doing these things and is unrepentant, is defending it, they are not going to heaven. Let's read this. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin 
or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Amen. And so Paul says, hey, listen, some of you were like that, but you were cleansed by the blood of Jesus by calling on the name of Jesus. And so again, he's not saying someone that did this once back in the day or used to start. No, he's talking about someone who's actively doing these things. Listen, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. There were plenty of people in the Corinthian church who used to live like those lifestyles mentioned, but they were made right by calling on Jesus. Look at the next few verses so I can close this thing out. I'm going over my time. We're in overtime now, guys. We are in OT. We got to roll. Verse 15. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And so it's, it's an important thing right here to realize that when there is a intimate relationship, right? You know, we all, most of us are adults here. You get that. You become one with that person. And the scripture tells us that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. That's hooking up the temple of God with something that's not good. And prostitution was a big thing in Corinth. There were all these false religions and false gods. They had a temple on every street corner for this God and a, and a temple for that God. And the way that they raised funds for their temple a lot of the time was prostitution. And so, sadly, some of the even Christians were, you know, hey, let's go down there to the temple of Zeus tonight. Let's go down there to the temple of, you know, whatever. And, uh, and hey, and, and they, some of them had been delivered from that, getting caught up into that again. And listen, you as a Christian, first of all, uh, you know, I guess I don't even need to say this, but we don't believe in sexual relationships outside of marriage. That's called fornication, and that's wrong. But especially it would be wrong for a Christian to have that sort of relationship with someone that is not a Christian, that is hooking up the temple of God. Well, how would you like it if somebody came into our church you know, temple right here and just started doing a bunch of wicked things and, and chants and sacrifices. And, and you're like, Hey, that's the temple of God. What's wrong with you? And then you go out and hook up the temple with something wicked. Same thing. Same thing. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. We're almost done. We are almost done. Friends come back next week. It's gonna get more fun than this. Look at verses 18 through 20. He says, Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body, which is a sin against the temple of God because your body belongs to God. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your 
that's a good nice point to end on right there. You were bought with a price. What if I bought you something and like, man, take care of that. That cost me a million dollars. I gave everything I had. Well, you would, I would hope that you would guard it and protect it. And you were bought with a high price, but it wasn't a million dollars. It was the son of God. It was the blood of Jesus Christ. Take care of this thing. You know, we ought to take care of our bodies. You know, not just from sexual sin. That's a big one. But, you know, we probably shouldn't go out there and eat Big Macs every day and, and dump down, you know, a 44-ounce of sweet tea. You know, I'm saying confession. I drank a 44-ounce sweet tea from McDonald's today. But it was brought to me. I didn't drink it. You know, I didn't go buy it. Somebody brought it to me. Anyway, uh, that's not a sin. I'm just, I'm just being silly. But we need to take care of our bodies, right? We don't need to put things in them that don't belong there. Uh, you know, I mean, clearly I don't practice this one, but we should probably exercise a little bit here and there, right? You know, we need to take care of the body because you were bought with a price. And it says you should honor God with your body. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Woo. That was a wild ride, brother. All right. Well, let's stand up together if we could. I don't even know how to end that sermon. Usually I've just got to, you know, I, 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 I write out the ending so we can come in for a smooth landing like we're on a jet. I don't even know how to end something like that. That was just a bunch of the word of God right there is all that was. Amen. So praise God. Well, um, we are we are in double overtime now. But praise if you um, need prayer, I'm going to give us just a minute here. Uh, Josh is going to close us out with a worship song here. we got just a minute. If you need prayer. Come on up, and we'd love to lay hands on you and agree with you. Chuck, can you help me uh, pray for people tonight? Come on up. All right, if you need prayer, Josh is just going to sing a couple verses here, and then we'll close out in prayer. Amen. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out. Bro.
things out tonight. Did we have a good time together? Amen. We're simply studying the word. Amen. Just reading these scriptures and uh, and it's a good thing to do a deep thorough study of any book of the Bible. But anyway, this is good stuff that really applies to 2022. All right. Uh, Robert asked me to remind you that the women's meeting is uh, Friday night. He can't wait to be there. He said it's going to. Oh, wait. No, no. Oh, what? No. What he asked me for is that. <laughs> kidding. No, he asked me if we could get a few guys to help them do some ta- um, set up the tables and chairs over there. That would be just great. And so, if you can, uh, if you're an able-bodied man, you can lift a couple tables and some chairs. Uh, follow Robert right after we close out here, and that would be great. And of course, Sunday's coming. Who's ready to be here Sunday? Amen. All right, we're gonna have us a good time. Let's close out in prayer tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word tonight. And God, we just, we did a, an expository look at these three chapters out of 1 Corinthians. And Lord, I thank you that uh, you said that your word, whenever it is sent out, it never returns unto you void. And so we thank you that, Lord, some of that somewhere in there, God, is going to stick to our hearts in the name of Jesus. And we're learning, we're educating ourselves on you and on your word. And I pray that we're growing through all of this because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to use us this week in the name of Jesus to bring hope and light and love to the world around us. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? All right. Let's speak these words of faith together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. We will see you Sunday.